Welcome to Day 208 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul here with uh, Matt, David, and Cindy as we continue to read through the prophecy of Jeremiah. We're going to do as we did last week. We're going to leave you hanging in the middle of a story, and uh, the story will be, uh, you know, as uh, uh, Israel has been turned over into the hands of Gedaliah as a governor and the poorest of the poor remain. Even among the people of Israel, there's still a lot of rebellion against God and rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar, and things things do not you know go well for them. Even though Jeremiah has promised, if you surrender to God's will, it will go for well for you. For those who stay and for those who go into exile, so we go into uh, Jeremiah 40, which is a section from 37 you know to 45 that just slowly takes us through the final days of the nation of Israel and God's judgment before they go into exile into Babylon. So before we before we read, we come uh, with reverence you know, to God's word, hearing the words of Isaiah, that his word never returns to him empty, but always accomplishes its purpose. And of course, his purpose is to build up in us the character of Christ, to stir our affections toward him, and of course, our compassion for those around us. So as we read, we offer ourselves in the moment you know, to the Lord. So Matt, you mind lifting us up? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we uh, are indeed grateful for your word and uh, grateful for the the chance to gather as your body to be um, reminded of who you are and what you've done in Christ Jesus, to hear your heart and character in your word. And, and so, Father, as we read um, together, we ask that you would build us up um, that we would be transformed and shaped by you, by your spirit at work in us. Uh, Father, what a what a gift. Help us to not take it lightly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 40. The word of uh, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, commander of the Imperial Guard, had released him at Ramah. He had found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the captives from Jerusalem and Judah who were being carried into exile to Babylon. The commander of the guard found Jeremiah. He said to him, The Lord your God decreed this disaster for you this place, and now the Lord has brought it about. He has done just as he said he would. All this happened because you people sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. But today I'm freeing you from the chains on your wrist. Come with me to Babylon if you like, and I will look after you. But if you do not want to, then don't come. Look, the whole country lies before you. Go wherever you please. However, before Jeremiah turned to go, Nebuzaradan added, Go back to Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has appointed over the towns of Judah, and live with him among the people, or go anywhere else you please. And then the commander gave him provisions and a present and let him go. So Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, at Mizpah, and stayed with him among the people who were left behind in the land. When all the army officers and their men who were still in the open country heard that king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, as governor over the land, and had put him in charge of the men, women, and children who were the poorest in the land and who had not been carried into exile in Babylon, they came to Gedaliah at Mitzbah. Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Jahana, and Jonathan, the sons of Kariah, Sariah, son of Tahamuth, sons of Ephah, Nanetophite, and Jazana. Uh, the son of Mahakathat, and their men, Gedaliah, son of Achim, the son of Shaphan, took an oath to reassure them and their win. Do not be afraid to serve the Babylons, he said. Settle down in the land to serve the king of Babylon, and it will go well with you. I myself will stay at Mizpah to represent you before the Babylonians who come to us. 
that's you to harvest the wine, some fruit, and the olive oil, and put them in your storage jars and live in the towns that you've taken over. When all the Jews in Moab, Ammon, Edom, and all the other countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant in Judah and appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, son of Shaphan, as governor over them, they all came back to the land of Judah to Gedaliah at Mitzpah from all the countries where they had been scattered, and they harvested an abundance of wine and summer fruit. Johanan, son of Kariah, and all the army officers still in the open country came to Gedaliah at Mitzpah and said to him, Don't you know that Baalus, king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, son of Nehaniah, to take your life? But Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, did not believe them. Then Johanan, son of Kariah, said privately to Gedaliah in Mitzpah, Let me go kill Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and no one will know it. Why should, you take your, uh, why should he take your life and cause all the Jews who are gathered around you to be scattered and the remnant of Judah to perish? But Gedaliah, son of Achim, said to Jehaniah, son of Kariah, Do not do such a thing. But you're, what you're saying about Ishmael is not true. And of course, as we'll find out on Monday, what he was saying about Ishmael was indeed true. And that, you know, Gedaliah, of course, is you know, very powerless in the two act. He has the right intentions in mind. He's as if he is hearing the word of the Lord, settle down in the land and it will go well with you. And, and just for a brief moment, there's a, a little bit of relief. They do, you know, harvest the summer fruit and the olive oil. Uh, but uh, the intrigue is catching up with them as all those who have run from the battle come back and are vying for power over the poorest of the poorest mm-hmm. of the poor. So that's where we leave you this Friday, uh, you know, as we uh, uh, venture off into the into the weekend. We have a psalm for you to read, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope you'll gather with us to worship on Sunday. So what do you guys see in the, in these passages? Well, maybe it's... Oh, there's a lot of Babylonian names that are really <laughs> hard to pronounce. Even in the last two, it feels <laughs> yeah. like Jeremiah is like getting some of his better treatment from anyone in, on the earth, like in the last few chapters. Like <laughs> last chapter, like, hey, don't harm him. Mm-hmm. This chapter, like, man, get those chains off you. Here's where we say you could go, but you go wherever you want. Maybe go here, go there. Hey, here's a present. Here's provisions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's what you wanted from the people of Israel, right? And yet it's coming from, you know, this outside mm-hmm. Babylonians and, you know, and... And yet they're the ones kind of giving him some reprieve and just showing him generosity and care. And and so, I don't know, maybe that's an irony in the text, but he is just seems to be getting a little bit of, of care, which he has seemed to not have for so long. One of the you know, irony in the text, of course, is the one from the very beginning that you are hearing the word of the Lord, this time not from Jeremiah's prophet, from uh, Nebuzaradan, the commander of the imperial guard. And he is recognizing you know, what Israel did not recognize, that the Lord has decreed this disaster you know, for this place, and now he has brought it about. He's done just as he said he would. All this happened because you guys sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. Uh you know, Zaradon, you know, may have some respect for what's going on there, but he's not a believer in God, and he's mm-hmm. not, you know, coming to this conviction out of any strong sense of loyalty to the God. He's just recognizing irony that Israel has abandoned their own gods, and their own God has has judged them mm-hmm. and, and brought it about. So you're hearing the word of the Lord, you know, from the most unlikely mm-hmm. place. So even 
uh, the Babylonians are able to hear the word of God and, and discern its message for Israel, I obviously not put their full confidence in it. Their confidence was in the, the strength of their army. Uh, but even they were able to hear and discern God's word where Israel wasn't. So there's another irony mm-hmm. upon irony mm-hmm. in the middle of all of this. And how many generations? I mean, this is one of the fun things about as we read the story of Scripture. How many generations did, have we seen time and time again where God tells them, you know, be careful to obey my my word, you know, my law? And, and, and Israel just fails to do it, even on the verge of them entering into the promise. We're seeing them ejected from the land, going into exile. But mm-hmm. even it takes us back to that scene where he's leading them into the, the promised land. And he, you know, he tells Joshua, you know, be careful to obey my law, to do all that I've commanded you. You know, meditate on my law day and night. And we just see the opposite effect in Israel well, now. And, and of course, is what Moses said in Deuteronomy. Yeah. Said you're not able to obey this God and this is what's going to happen to you. But even so, when he, you know, brings you back from this exile, and of course there is the promise of there will be a prophet and you, you know, to come who's even greater than me and you must listen to him. And of course this is part of where the story picks up in the New Testament. The people have come back from mm-hmm. exile. And a prophet appears on the scene who is the one greater than Moses, much more than a prophet, also a mm-hmm. priest and a king. And we hear, you know, his word. And so the question is, after you know, going through the history of Israel, will we be a generation that hears the word of the Lord and responds to the grace that he offers us? Or will we be, yeah. you know, self-willed like Israel? Yeah, and because that prophet that has come who never sinned against the Lord and always obeyed him, you know, did all that the Father commanded him to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we get? We don't get disaster, but we get blessing. Yeah, he is the faithful and true Israel. He was the one who has been obedient where Israel was disobedient. He was the one who faced temptation and triumph where Israel you know, faced temptation and, and, and failed. And, of course, his righteous acts are you know, counted toward us as our righteousness as we put our confidence in him and, and not ourselves. I find it kind of curious, too. I mean, why we see the connection of obedience to the land, and it was interesting how, in this case, too, Jeremiah was pretty much given permission to go wherever he wanted. Of course, he stayed in the land, but, um, you know, the beauty of of the land again and and Jeremiah's faithfulness and just living there. Uh, He is the owner of one of the most devalued pieces of real estate in the entire <laughs> exactly. history of, of the world. Upside down on that one. Where he bought, uh, uh, he bought property the in, the, in the tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> Just as a reminder that God will come back. Yeah. By the way, it's worthless today. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. So crazy. A little bit of echo of Jeremiah 29 again. You know, don't be afraid. Um, settle down in the yeah. land. Serve yeah. the king. It'll go well for you. Mm-hmm. And then we do see them reap a little bit of harvest towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're... we're Often, you know, we've said this a lot, more circumcised, more circumcised, more, you know, more, uh, we're more focused on the circumstances in which Mm -hmm. we serve God rather than the faithfulness by which we serve God in our circumstances. And, And of course, this is not the best, you know, of situations for these people. But again, you have the promise if you settle down and hear God's word and live according to it, it'll go well for you. And the same thing is true, you know, for the exiles as well. And it's true for us. As well, and our desire is more for the right circumstances than for the uh, right heart in the middle of our circumstances. For sure, mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for another week together in Your Word. Thank you for the privilege of reading Your Word, hearing Your Word, and, and being in community with others who read and hear along with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray that You would uh, 
Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts and hands to respond to the grace you've given us in your word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.